you a parent of a child with autism, just received a diagnosis, just wanting to learn more about it? Bringing Up Autism is a podcast where five AZ moms talk about having children on the spectrum. Come join us as we bring up autism. So I actually, uh, we're all part of the AZ Autism Moms group on Facebook. And um, I reached out because I've always wanted to start a podcast about autism since my son has it. And I reached out and uh, posted, does anybody want to start a podcast? And I wouldn't think that I had so many like comments as it did. But the next day, I ended up having like 30 comments. I was like, okay, let's just start with the five or six people and see if they actually want to do it. And these are the ladies who stuck around. Like, okay, five people, that's enough. And I was super excited because we all have like different backgrounds and we all have different age kids. And so we all have something to bring to the table when it comes to autism. So I have um, a three-year-old who was diagnosed at two years old. And then at first it was like, what is autism? That's like the first question that everyone's like, okay, you get a diagnosis. And then they start saying, okay, oh, like, or maybe even speculations where they say, oh, you, your son like could have autism. Like, these are the symptoms and everything like that. But I was like, no, like, I, I didn't know anything about it. In my family, like, autism wasn't brought up. Like, that was the first time I've actually probably heard the word from somebody. And it's, what you do then. Yeah, so I was like, okay. I did what probably all of us did. It was like, we were just Googling everything. Like, what is autism? Like, what, like, what, like, what causes autism? Or like that huge topic where it's like vaccine causes autism. And it's like, yeah. and it made me feel like, where did I go wrong? Like, what, like, why me? Like, why did it happen to me? Did I get like the wrong vaccines when he was a baby? It took a long time how we were talking about in our practice podcast that it's like a grieving process where you're just like, okay, it really isn't my fault. But you just have that, like that mom guilt say, thinking like, okay, yeah. He has it because of me or like I could have done something different when I was pregnant or they say like I've heard people say, oh, they um, they watch TV too much when they're too young and that causes autism. I'm just like, what? I've heard that. And I'm just like, did I just put too much TV on for him when he was little? And it's just it's just so sad with like what your mind goes through, because you do get like a grieving process when, when you say, oh, like your son has autism and it's like. Like, okay, it just seems like, oh my gosh, my life is going to change so much. And it kind of is in certain ways, like with therapies and school, but it isn't too bad. Like, I really don't think that, like, I'm not sure if you guys are religious, but it's like God doesn't give you something that you can't handle. And I believe that. And like, maybe he did give it, give Miles, like my son, like he gave them to me for like, because he knows that like, we're going to, he's going to make me a better person. And I feel like he has made me a better person. Like I'm, like, I stand up for him. I don't, like, I just, like, whenever kids are being mean to other kids, I'm just, like, yeah, that's that's not right. Even if they don't have a disability, it's, like, just be nice to each other. I never really stood up for myself, and I'm very quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm very to myself. But with my son, like, if somebody says, oh, he's, you know, he's not really playing or he's over there, like, I'll say, you know, he did, that's just the way that he likes to play. That's the way that he likes to learn. And I think I kind of get, like, offended. But kind of like you said, like, it goes back to, I think I feel guilt because, like, you know, you think about, well, did I put too much TV on? Is it something that, you know, I read something on Google that if you had, like, really bad um, nausea and stuff like that, that could be a sign that your kid's going to be autistic. And I'm just like, those things you can't control. Like, maybe they all, we all have them in common, but it's not like, okay, my kid's going to be autistic and 
that's what I'm planning on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not your fault. There's nothing that you could have done different to prevent that. But I think that you are right. It is, I believe, you know, the same thing that you believe. I think God wouldn't have gave me my son if he knew that I wouldn't be able to, you know, take care Mm -hmm. of him, stand up for him, deal with all the emotions that it comes with, because it's a lot of emotional like stress sadness depression you know happiness it's i feel like it's all the emotions at the same time and you know one day it might be you're exhausted you're so tired you know you're depressed and i don't think i could do this anymore and the next day you're like i think i could do this it's not that bad you know he's not he's not acting out you know we went out in public which is another story because you probably get anxiety from even thinking about going out somewhere and, you know, I just think that as it goes, because nobody, like you said, not anybody in my family is not autistic. So we, you know, I'm nice to everybody. When I was in school, I was nice to everybody. I know everyone's different. Um, I didn't like bully anybody or anything, but in my family, that's just how we are. You know, we're just nice to everybody. But I didn't think that my son was going to be somebody who, you know, when I was younger, try to stand up for because I, I just felt bad for kids who, you know, had disabilities or something was wrong with them learning wise because people just like oh he's weird oh you know and i don't want that to happen to my kid so i think it's just i think you just learn as you go i don't think anybody tells you how hard or you know this road is going to be i think Teresa was talking about that when we were doing our practice podcast it's a very hard road (laughs) it's a very hard road and no one understands until they've actually walked it you know yeah and you had a different experience because you adopted your son, right? Yeah. And I was just listening to you girls talk about um, feeling responsible, you know. And so, of course, our situation is different because I didn't give birth to him. We adopted him. Um, but we still go through the same. I think that no matter what, as a parent, I think guilt should be like your middle name. Like, you know, it's just that is what all moms feel. And um even though I might not be his birth mother, we still went through the same things trying to figure out where it went wrong, where had it changed? Because when he was little, he was just so happy. And, um, you know, he made sounds. And even though he had a lot of medical challenges, so when he was born, he didn't swallow correctly. He aspirated into his lungs. He had to be put on a feeding tube almost immediately. And, um, once he hit around and he was very, very delayed. So he had therapies at a very young age. By the time he was four months, they had actually diagnosed him with cerebral palsy and, um, you know, he wasn't meeting any of the milestones. And so our focus was not on autism or any of those things. Um, they were just really spending time in a hospital, trying to keep him alive and keep him surviving. And then when he hit around two, we had all these behaviors and he was uh, not, not progressing and not making as many sounds. And I had read somewhere again, you know, like you guys, you read all these things and they had said like maybe a traumatic event. So my husband and I were like, maybe all these hospital stays and all the blood draws and all the IVs and all these traumatic experiences as a baby that you should never have to endure. I mean, he's endured more things than my husband and I combined have ever endured as far as like hospital stays and medical procedures and tests and labs and 
just all of the things. So we were feeling guilty for that. You know, even though there's nothing we could do about it, we were still thinking the same thing. Like maybe this trauma that he experienced as a baby, maybe that caused it. And, you know, the longer I go on this journey, obviously our son's 10 now. So we have a few years behind us in this whole process. I believe that it it really is just as simple as you're born with brown hair and maybe you, you know, are thinner than the next person or you have green eyes versus brown eyes. I mean, it just is. It just is. I mean, there's just nothing. I mean, of course, you can tell everyone don't feel guilty or it isn't you or it isn't something you did, but we're all going to, we're all going to go through the process and be like, when did it change? Or when did I start seeing the signs? And I honestly think if you give too much energy to that, you can create stories in your head that really aren't even there, right? You can make something become real if you believe it too much or if you feed that energy. And I just don't feel like it's helpful because it just is what it is. So this is what it is. And now we have to deal with it. So, you know, our first thing was getting all the therapies that we could. And then um, our biggest thing, because we did not know that he would never speak, our biggest thing was to try to do all the therapies. And so when the therapies weren't working, when we realized he may never be able to communicate, you know, like we are, um, that's when we started with the Ogcom device. And at a very young age, I want to say by the time he was two and a half, he was he was pretty proficient at that thing. Um, I, I know our speech therapist, she said he should be the poster child for that thing because, you know, a lot of kids struggle and they use a 10 button software for a long time. And he immediately went to 60 um, and he's been using that for a long time. And now we just went to over 100. So, um, you know, you just. Make sure that you're doing all that you can, give them all the resources they can, and then advocate and fight school and all of the things. So to give them the best advantage that you can give them. So I feel like even though in the beginning, and I know many of you are at the beginning, you want to feel all the guilt and feel all the sadness, which is valid. Um, But I just think that at some point you can't put the energy there. You need to just figure out what resources you need and dive in. There's nothing to do to go back and say, oh, no, he's not going to be autistic. If I do something else, you know, he's not, you know, he's going to communicate. He's going to learn like everybody else. So I think now I'm at that stage where I'm just like, there's no point of being sad. There's no point of wishing, you know, I wish my son was like this. I just have to, this is the way he is. And, you know, he's going to learn the way he's going to learn. Like today, I took him to the park and I was like, Oh, he's gonna love the park. He went early in the morning because he was up at five. I was like, No, we're going to the park, get in the car. He did not like the park, he liked it because he was touching everything you know, the different textures. There was ropes, there was wood chips. And I see other kids, you know, like they're running around and they're playing on the swings and they're playing with the little, little like rolly things, you know, with the little pictures on it. And my son, he's just walking around he has his hands behind his back he's just walking around and observing everyone so it's you know i at the beginning you know i was like why don't you want to play i took you here you don't even want to be here but i think now i'm just like okay well you know he enjoyed it for the things that he likes he likes you know to observe he was watching these 
old ladies play tennis. I'm like, oh my gosh, RJ, we are sitting here on the bench watching these old ladies. They were like 60 years old, 70, wearing these little mini skirts, hitting the tennis ball. And he was just having the time of his life. I'm like, hey, if that entertains you, okay. But yeah, I think, you know, you just have to figure out what's going to work best for them. And like you said, like resources, which is another thing, which is hard to even know where to begin. Yeah. Navigating but resources, a whole, separate, one, a whole separate subject. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, one day at a time, I'm like, okay, today's going to be a bad day. We just got to work through that. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. So it's just unpredictable. Very. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard, especially when you don't have the support that you need in the beginning. Like in the beginning, sometimes you're all alone, even your spouse might not give you that support um, because he might be on a complete different page than you. And um, you're struggling to come to terms to, okay, my son is not what quote unquote, the society says the normal kid or what the, how they're normally supposed to be. And then your, your husband's like, oh, he'll talk. He doesn't need anything. Just leave him. Just put him in a group where there's kids. He'll do fine. No, he's struggling, honey. There's a whole bunch of things coming up. He has a whole bunch of other problems. Oh, no, we're, we're all like that. And then you have your, sometimes your in-laws. Oh, you didn't socialize him enough. Oh, you didn't talk to him enough. You put him in front of the TV a lot. Oh, oh you didn't feed him a lot. Mm -hmm. And then they're constantly blaming you um, for how he is because they're like, well, we had kids. They all turned out fine. How come your kid is like that? And so you're already having that mom guilt inside <laughs> that's eating you alive. And then you have these people that are like pointing little fingers at you and saying, <laughs> oh, it's all your fault. And you're like, damn, what do I do? And then when you turn to the person that's supposed to support you, and his brain is like, he has no idea. He's a man. He's never raised a kid. He has no idea. And he tells you all that. And you're like, okay. And then it took my husband a while. So... We got the diagnosis when my son was about three. And to tell you that six months ago, my husband has been just started to come on the same page like me. It's it's crazy. Like he's starting to accept it. He's starting to look into autism schools. He's starting to understand his son. He's starting to know how to communicate with him, how to play with him, how to talk to him, how to like integrate all the therapy that my son is taking. He's starting to do it with him. Um, I, I was amazed because my husband isolated himself. So with my grief, I cried. I blamed myself. I got mad. I got mad at the world. I got mad at the doctors. I got mad at God. I got mad at everything. I was like, why my son? Like, like I've struggled enough in my life. Why do I have to have this now? And as hard as it sounds and as guilty sometimes that I feel that I feel this way, I'm like, why do I have to have a son that I might end up taking care of him for the rest of my life? Like that's, that's, that was the thought process that I was going through. Why do I have to do that? Like, why me? Like all the other kids are going to go off to college, get married and move out. I'm going to probably be stuck with him for the rest of my life. That was how I felt as much as I loved him, but it was just that grieving process that I was going through and so it, it and it's reality hard. it's a reality it for you and that's what people don't realize is this is forever I mean I will probably be taking care of my son 
for, for his life. That's yeah. a really valid fear that and it's hard. you it's are going to have to be a caregiver for their entire life. I mean, that's and a possibility. society doesn't like compa- be, you know, compassionate with you or be empathetic th- towards you when you feel that way. No, they actually look at you. You're like a horrible mother. Why are you feeling this way? Like, I'm normal. I'm a human being. I have my own life. I have my own dreams. Like, I love my kid to death. But who would want to, like, do that by choice? You know what I mean? Like, who picks that? I When you were, when you were pregnant, I'm, I'm pretty sure you weren't, like, Oh yeah, that's my goal is to take care of him for the rest of his life, you know? (laughs) So it's not, I mean, it's not, you're not a bad mom. You're not a bad mom for thinking that, but I understand like, you know, you thinking ahead and you're like, well, when is it going to be, you know, my time to be, you know, I did my job taking care of them. You know, I want to retire. I want to go travel. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. But now you're, you know, you're angry. You're like, why does this why is it me? Yes. And I'm pretty sure we all felt angry and guilt. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to say like, oh my gosh, well, I felt like this because like you said, society's like, you're a horrible mom. Like, why would you say that about yeah. your kids? They're your kids. But you're right. We're all human. We all have those feelings. Whether we say them out loud or we don't, I'm pretty sure we've all felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And then, well, like, I mean, we're I... not conditioned to care for them. Yeah. Forever. That the whole no. thing is you have a baby yeah. stage and then you have a toddler phase and then you have a preteen and a teen and a young adult. And, you know, there's there's stages to life. And in this process, it changes it all up. So it. And yes, there isn't enough discussion and there is not enough resources. So. Um, it's fair. All those feelings there's- that you're feeling. It's, it's fair for you to feel those things and to be frustrated. And if anybody is telling you that you're bad, that doesn't, that really reflects more on them and the fact that they, they don't have and aren't walking this walk. They don't have a special needs child. So, I mean, it's really unfair for them. They to don't say. really know. Yeah. They don't really know what, you know, all the energy that you put into it. And, you know, your mom guilt and your things that you have to go through daily, they don't know. Nobody knows how we feel. Nobody is with us 24-7. I think like Laura was saying last, when we were doing the practice um, episode, like nobody knows what your house is like 24-7, you know? And other people just want to say like, oh, well, just do this with him. Just do that. Just do this. He'll be fine. Like, no. Right it's not going to be fine. Like you have to be with them. Even if you, you know, when I was at the park, I can't just let him play. I have to be behind him 24 seven. You have to guide him. Oh, let's do this and introduce them. Yes. Introduce them to everything. You know, that's even though there's a big field out there, he's not going to know what to do. He's probably going to sit there and play with the grass. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay, well, you know, we came here to do this and, Oh, look at this and feel this. So it's, Nobody really knows, you know, how much energy or how your kids are 24-7. So it's not fair for them to say, you know, well, you aren't doing a good job, you know, being a mother. So it's true. I agree with Teresa. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I've been really quiet. Just I'm listening to all your stories. But (laughs) and I don't like to, like, interrupt. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to sit and listen and just go. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't said anything for, like, 15 minutes. But. You're so polite. <laughs> well, 
right? <laughs> I think it's a teacher thing. It's like, okay, now I have to listen to this student and let them talk. And then it's their turn and then it's my turn. So, you know, that's just, this is me. But um, I think my problem is I suffer with severe anxiety already. And so when I got pregnant, I said, okay, I know autism runs in my family. There is that chance that I'm going to pass this on to my son. And a lot of people don't understand that autism has a lot to do with genetics. If it runs in your family, your chances of having an autistic child have just doubled. So you can sit there and blame the parent. But then you can come back and say, but it's in my genes, you know, like just like my son has my color hair because it's in his genes. But my problem is all of the judgmental stares and comments that I get from people. It's like, thank you for judging. Do you want to help? And then they're just like, oh, well, my kid wouldn't act like that. I'm like, does your kid have autism? Because if they don't, of course, they're not going to act like that. My kid will run. And he also was diagnosed with ADHD. So he's an eloper. For those of you that don't know what elope is, it's they run away. We have every every door to outside bolted because my kid will figure out how to open it and he'll take off. There was a day, one day I was upstairs and I heard the door open and I went downstairs and my son was nowhere to be found. He was two houses down and I, I ran outside. So and from scary. there, I'm like, uh, no, something is wrong. But people that judge... I want them to come into my house for 24 hours and see why my kid is different from everybody else's kids that are supposedly just like my kid. Because I get those comments, well, that's just what a three-year-old does. Or that's, mm-hmm. that's normal for their age. I'm like, really? Really? Because I can, I can guarantee that my son just goes a little extra above what a what they call normal functioning kid would do. Cause I read the books I read. I, when my son first got diagnosed, I ran and got the Sark, um, like newly diagnosed book of like a hundred pages. And I printed it out and I read it from top to bottom. And just like Dina said, I did everything. My son is, you know, I'm the reason why he's got these therapies. I'm the reason why he's in preschool. I'm the reason why, you know, he's, he's succeeding right now. I did everything. And I think for a while I resented my husband because I'm like, don't you care enough to help me? But I really think the problem was he didn't know what to do. I'm a very independent person. So once I'm told something, I'm like, cool, I'm going to go do it. I think my husband was just relying on someone else to do it because he didn't know what to do and he doesn't like to ask for help. And so I'm like, great. So now I'm working full-time as a teacher with other people's kids And now I have to go online and research and I have to call these people and I have to make appointments and I have to do this. And I was overwhelmed and I I was mad at him. I was mad at his family because nobody else offered to help. Even if I would help, well, what do you want me to do? Uh, Figure out how we can help (laughs) my kids. So I don't know. And then, you know, like I listen to other people's stories and then this is a new feeling, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like I'm like, okay, well, I say my kid has autism, but then I listen to other people's stories and I'm like, he was diagnosed with level two autism, but my son is verbal. My son is starting to show emotions. So am I wrong to be thinking that my kid is autistic? You know, it's those things. It's like mine, my kid is not as severely autistic as other people's kids, but I guess that's why it's called the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But then a part of me is like, should I be sitting here complaining? When there's others out there that have it so much worse than I do. But at the same time, my son is difficult. You know, I feel the same. Right? I'm just like, okay, so my yeah, kid is I autistic, feel the same. but he's like less. Severe. And I have that doubt. Like, 
yeah, I have that doubt too. I'm like, well, I mean, he's learning, you know, he learned, he catches on quick. So is he really autistic or is it just that he is, you know, delayed or, you know, I think we just have that doubt. Like, I don't know if it's for me, I don't know if it's like, okay, one day I'm going to go to the doctors and he's not going to have it anymore. Like, I know that's not how it works, but I don't know if that's why I'm like, well, he's learning. So is he really autistic or, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm like, well, my thing is, just, to, like, am I allowed? Head? Well, my whole thing is, am I allowed to complain? Because my kid is not as severe as other people's kids with autism. You know, it's like, am I allowed to complain? Because yeah, my kid's talking. I my believe you are because school. his struggle is but, different right? than anybody else. But your struggle social, is different emotional. than my struggle. Your capacity to hold the struggle and to yeah. take it is different than other people. And mm-hmm. I think that's a little hard on yourself to say, do I get to complain? You know, right? I mean? And that's yeah, you get to complain, you get to scream, and... you get to cry, you get to do whatever you want. Because yeah. at the end of the day, he's your son, and you're the one that's doing everything for him. You know. And I think that's hard because others don't see how how challenging it is. I always hear when we're out in public, "Oh, he's so cute, he's so adorable." And in my head, I'm like, right now, you're seeing the the happy, the content yeah, side, the of happy my version. When he doesn't get what he wants. It's a half an hour screaming shout. I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't, I'm not your best friend anymore. And I'm like, okay, great. See ya. But then he has to follow me. It's that kind of thing. It's like he voices his concerns, but mom has to be in the room still. <laughs> you have to be with me. Like, I think it was Felicia. You were telling me that your, your kid's day was so terrible. Yeah. It's like, they just didn't want to be around anybody, but you still needed to be close. Like, that's how my kid is. Yep. I don't like you. Okay. Well, yep. then I'm going to go leave you alone. And then two minutes later, he's like lurking around the door like mom me i'm like you said you didn't want to play with me <laughs> it's okay you're my best friend again i'm just like oh. but i mean it's it's the constant like fighting to do everything rylan you need to take a shower yeah yes. i don't want to rylan you need to take a shower i don't want to so we spend a half an hour fighting him to get into the shower then that he's finally out then it takes another half an hour to get him dressed and then it's another half an hour to get him to sit down and read and that's the thing that people don't see they don't see that and that's what is so hard being his mom. It's the transitioning. And yeah, we tried ABA for four days. And that's a whole nother story we'll talk about later in, in another one. But we tried ABA for four days, but the person quit on us. So I don't know if it really worked or not. But the, his transitioning, that is very typical. And it is, how do I get my kid to move faster? How do I, you know, like if we have to get to a doctor's appointment, how do I get him to put his shoes on quicker so it doesn't yes. make us 10 minutes late? like every single appointment lately. So it's it's just their brains are wired differently and it's our job to teach others how to you know like figure out how they work. Right. Like my kid you cannot yell at them. You cannot yell at him. He'll escalate. He'll hit you. He'll scream back at you. Nothing's going to happen if you scream at him. And that's, that's how some have been raised. I'm going to yell at you and you're going to do what I want to do. Nope. You have to teach him why we don't do something. And so telling people that it's hard because mm-hmm. in the moment you're just like, yeah, get out of my face, blah, blah, blah. But it, it doesn't help, especially for my kid. But, you know, each kid's different. But the yelling does not work no matter how frustrated you get. I literally have to take myself and move. When he's, when he's getting to that point where I just want to scream, I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to go count to 10 in my room. I come back and usually he's okay. But at first I was so angry with the diagnosis that I'm like, 
I don't know how to be happy. I don't know how to be calm with my kid. I'm just so mad at the world that I'm just going to scream at everybody because that's just going to make it better. And then eventually I came around with the whole, I accept it. This is my kid. I love him no matter what. He's just, he just learns a little differently. Great. I'm a teacher. I have to do this every day. I have to use my teacher skills. What's going to work on my kid? This didn't work. Let's try something else. So it's just the whole acceptance. And then how do you live with it? You just learn to live with it. Just like anything else. This is what I was dealt. I love my kid. So let's help him be who he is. I think that was the big, big issue. Now that we've, it's been almost a year. I'm like, all right, I just have to remember this works. This doesn't. Yeah. It's figuring out how, how they're wired and what are the skills that they need in life and how to advocate for them. And then we've changed our whole course of life for our son mm -hmm. because it is what is best for him and for us. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know, you know, you guys are younger, so you probably have a lot of, you know, social type situations. Um, you know, my husband and I are older and so we have children and grandchildren so that, you know, that's kind of like our small circle. Um, and we don't really veer outside of that just because it's just the safest for us. It's what works. So, you know, yes, I could be sad and mourn the fact that oh, I don't, I'm not able to travel like, you know, we would if it was just my husband and I. But I'm not willing to do that because it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve him either. Um, So, yes, of course, I would be silly to say that I'm not very aware of the long term commitment, um, but we've changed our whole lifestyle for him. And that's I'm not going to I'm not going to subject myself to people that would make him feel bad or that would make us feel bad. I mean, like I said, you know, um, before when we talked, when you turn 50, your give a shit factors just goes out the window. <laughs> and I just don't care to be around people who, you know, would be mean or would say things. I mean, obviously, if we go into a store and someone doesn't respond to his highs, things like that, you know, we have to, you know, get through those moments. But on the regular, we keep our circle pretty small. And we've, we have a pretty quiet lifestyle, because it's what works best for him. You know, um, he wouldn't function if we had a lot of chaos and things like that. So we've just really structured it to make it work for him. So, um, And I think that as you guys get further in that journey, that's probably what you'll decide too, as far as even like family functions and stuff like there's, there's certain things that we just can't attend. And I know my grown up children, they can sometimes resent that. I know they have in the past um, because I can't attend every little thing, but I do have to think about him and how it's going to affect him and not, and he might do okay in the moment, but we will suffer for days after <laughs> if the event was too overstimulating or, you know, if something happened at that party that upset him that he couldn't verbalize and then later on it comes up and he's upset about it. I mean, there's just so many things that we have to think about. Um, and we've had enough years in this that we kind of know what those are. Um, so we've, 
you know, we've had to miss out on even family things. And you just, you just have to be okay with that because it's just not worth, it's not worth going and everyone being miserable or having a family member say something that is upsetting or that would be hurtful. I mean, it's just, so my husband and I, we don't, we don't put ourselves in those situations because it's just not worth it to us. It's just not, doesn't serve us at all. I think for, yeah, for me, well, my son just got diagnosed maybe like a month ago, over a month. But even before that, you know, I know that, oh, it's going to be too many people. I don't think I want to go because, you know, he doesn't really play with anybody. He gets bored. Like, I didn't know, you know, the reason why he didn't like going to these things. And I have a very big family. I come from a Mexican family. So we have parties, we have barbecues, we have literally like every weekend. And I'm like, okay, well, we could just go for a little bit. But, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'll let you know. So when the day comes, if he just wakes up, he doesn't sleep the night before, I already know where it's not even, you know, I'm not even going to try it. If he, you know, if he's okay, you know, we'll see when it gets closer. He usually falls asleep on the way to wherever we go because he sleeps fine in the car. And then if we get home and he's up, like he's never been asleep. So, you know, it's, I get a lot of anxiety. Like I'm like, okay, this weekend we're going to go to this party this weekend. You know, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like I literally have anxiety and I don't tell anybody that now that everyone's going to listen to my podcast, everyone's going to know, <laughs> but you know, I do have anxiety about that. I do have anxiety like, oh my gosh, this weekend, you know, so-and-so's party. Should should I say I'm going to go? Should I say I'm not going to go? I'll just try it. But is he going to be mad? You know? And my boyfriend, I don't think... It's not that he doesn't help or that he doesn't believe that he's autistic. It's just, I think, you know, uh, when he grew up too, he didn't... He doesn't have anybody in his family that is autistic. No, he doesn't really know what it, you know, what it is or how it's going to affect him later in life. And I think as for me, like, I think as mothers, we just think ahead of like, oh, well, I just want to be happy and be married and just love, live his life and just love what he does. And I don't know if it's like dads just don't think that far ahead or it's just, we're just too like motherly, like, well, I just, you know, I just want to shelter him. But I know that gonna have to go out and you know i think it's dina that said you know you're hard on your kid but it's for the better it's not because you want to be mean it's because in the real world he's gonna need those skills he's gonna need to know what to do in certain situations and it's just i think i personally think like oh my gosh what's gonna happen when this happens or what's gonna happen when this situation comes up and he's just gonna have to live through it he's just gonna have to learn how to live life Yes. Yes. So what made me really get up and like, be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push him and I'm gonna be really hard on him. I was raised in New York in a public school and we, the kids were mean. I was part of a mean group. We were mean and we had kids that had special needs and they came into the cafeteria and I... (laughs) I remember the kids making fun of them, bullying them, cornering them, pushing them. So I saw it. I saw it firsthand. I was there. And so I know how kids can be mean and I know how the world is. And so I was like, you know what? My kid is not going to be. I know he's going to have special needs. I know he has this. I know he has that. But I, he needs to learn how to 
like, you know, step up for himself, you know, and like talk back or be able to tell the teacher, be able to at least say stop, you know. And I think dads really don't know, like back on that subject, when my husband and me had a real conversation, I was like, you know, I feel that you don't know how to treat him. Like you're treating him not good. And so she, so my husband was like, you know what? I don't know how to act. I don't know how to treat him. Like, I think he's going to get better. I don't know that it's really that serious. And then when he started, the older my son got and the more he saw him struggle and those little ticks and those little things that used to happen in front of him, he was like, oh, okay. So it's lasting more than a year or two. It's, it's getting longer. So either I step up or I don't, because that's what I told him. I was like, either you step up now and you support me or you have the door because I'm drained. I don't have a family. I don't have friends anymore (laughs) because all my other friends they're either not married or they have regular normal kids and when my kids and their kids get together it's chaotic they don't play my kids in their corner or doing his own thing and they don't get together um and so I need that support I need that backup I need that that wall for me to lean on because it's a long lonely journey you know I can't imagine doing it alone I really can't it's so hard yeah we have we have our circle of friends that we see on a regular basis when we can, but I always get anxious. There's my anxiety again. It's always there um, about what he's going to do with their kids. And I know I went to the zoo with a couple friend of ours who adopted their daughter, I think two years ago, we went to the zoo and my son was all over the place and you had to constantly watch him. And I would have put him on the harness, but then other people are like, oh, your kid's not a dog, blah, 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 blah. And I was about ready to say, okay, well, you're going to chase after him when he's going in the water, or are you going to chase after him when he's jumping in the rhino enclosure? No, <laughs> because it's not your kid. But I, I took him off the harness and I said, I'm going to see what he does. And he was all over the place. And I just remember my friend saying, wow, he is all over the place. And it hit me. I'm like, I have my really good friends, but they still don't understand. They don't understand how much energy my kid has. So when I say I am literally exhausted at the end of the night, you know, my in-laws are finally saying, oh my goodness, he's exhausting. I'm like, yeah, and you've been with him for two hours. Wait, wait till you've been with him for 12. And then you put him to bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do anything, but just lay here and do nothing. I had all these high hopes. Oh, it's my summer break. I'm going to figure out how to make this jewelry with whatever I got in Sedona, or I'm going to do this or that. All of that stuff I haven't even touched because by the end of the night, I just want to sit in my bed and watch Netflix. But just being around my friends and their kids, it makes me like sometimes it makes me sad. I'm like, why can't I just have that kid where the parent says no and they just leave him alone? Yeah. But I have the kid. Yes. that's like, no. And I said, no, Rylan, no, please, mommy. Mm-hmm. No. But I but I want this. No. And it's just constant back and forth to the point where we get angry at each other. It's like, I'll look at my friend's kid. Why can't I have that just once, just one day? And it just, sometimes it's hard hanging out with my friend's kids because it makes me all over again. Like, great, great. There's a reminder. My kid is different. I'm not going to have that. And it's so stressful. So I love my friends that we hang out with, but sometimes it's hard. And I just have to say, okay, we went to a birthday party. My kid acted completely different than everybody else's kid. He was the one that was getting up in everybody's faces. And the kids are like, stop, I don't want to play with you. And then he thinks that, kids don't like him and 
I'm just like, okay, I don't know if I could do this again for at least another month. I need to give myself some time to get over that last traumatic experience. But it's hard for me to want to get together with friends because I don't know how, how he's going to be. If he's going to turn them off and so they never want to hang out with us. But I'm just like, all right, we'll try it. And if we have to leave, we have to leave. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I get really embarrassed and I know I shouldn't. But I'm just like, my kid is having a tantrum so do I. in the middle of the grocery store over stupid grapes. Come on. But then people are like, oh, well, my kid was just like that. I'm like, I hate those comments. I'm like, no, your kid was not just like that because you could probably calm your down, your kid down like that. My kid, it takes a whole hour. No, we can't eat those. I haven't paid for them yet. They go by weight. And, you know, it's like you have to repeat yourself 50 times and they still ask the same question or they're still like, I don't get it. I want this. So it's just comments. It's like, just let my kid scream. And let me handle him. And you just keep those comments to yourself because it doesn't help the situation. <laughs> I will turn into the mama bear and you'll be like, man, you're in a bad mood. Just leave me alone. <laughs> so it says, I'm taking him to the store. What's he going to fuss over today? It's usually something I'm like, nope, I said, we're not having that. No, I said, we're not having that. And it's just a constant broken record. And I think that's what gets me because as a teacher, I don't like repeating myself. And as a teacher, you're going to have to repeat yourself. But my kid it's times 10. No, 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 no. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. And it's exhausting. I'm just like, why can't you just do it the first time and just be okay with it? Because he physically can't. And so I have to tell myself, he does not understand that no is we're done. We're not talking about that anymore because he, he, his brain is just not wired that way. So I have to tell myself, calm down. You know that he has to be told several times and you just accept it and you say exactly what you just said again. And eventually he forgets about it or he gets distracted with something else. And I'm like, okay, good. He found his toy cars. We're all good now. But I think it's just that it's just so physically and mentally demanding that by the end of the day, I I just want to lay there and do nothing. So my husband and I don't talk to each other very much anymore because it's us taking care of that one kid. And so then he's downstairs right now, like watching a movie. And I'm usually in the upstairs bedroom watching something. Because I don't, I don't have the energy to talk to anybody at the end of the night. This is the most talking I've done this late at night, probably all week. Because when I, when he goes to bed, my son's in bed. I'm like, nope, don't want to talk. I just want to lay there and not work so hard. So it's, it is. I'm tired. Oh, my husband probably wishes I was like that. I'm like, I'm like, no, I've been here all. <laughs> I'm here all day with him and I need someone. <laughs> I need someone. I'm here from nine to five. <laughs> no, we pray. We pray for bedtime so that we can have our time to hang out and talk and watch TV and have a cocktail. <laughs> you know, I struggle with something else and I don't know if any other of you guys struggle with it. And um, I had to actually go to therapy for it. So I had a very bad childhood, like bring, bringing up. I had a really bad stepmother. It was abusive. And so there are times when I don't like to be touched. And so my son is one of those clingy, touchy boys all up your face, wants a hug, wants a hug, wants a hug, wants a hug, wants to touch, wants to touch, wants to kiss, wants to kiss. And so... For some reason, that started to trigger me. It started to be really too much for me. 
triggering me. I don't want to be touched. I want I don't want you to touch me. And then I would just go crazy and be like, and it could come to the point when I would like literally maybe I can scream and be like, ah, just don't touch me. And so I had to isolate myself. And then his whining. Oh Lord. Oh Lord, help me when my son whines. And he talks in this whiny voice. And I tell you, like I've heard whole kids screaming and crying and there is not a single voice in the world that is so annoying that makes the nerves in my brain just tingle and boil over. <laughs> Except when my kid starts really using that squeaky voice and he uses it and he knows it triggers me. Like I, I think he knows because he looks at me and he smiles after it because he likes the reaction he gets from it. And so he would use it and that would trigger me. It would bring me over the edge. And then I started feeling guilty because, you know, we're brought up as like a mom doesn't like feel like that towards her kid. You know, a mom doesn't like, like a kid's touch is not supposed to trigger her. She's not supposed to be like, oh, don't touch me. Don't hug me. Don't kiss me. Don't do that. You're supposed to be all this lovey, lovey, huggy, huggy, mommy, mommy, you know. And I wasn't like that. Like, I'd be like, okay, I'll give you your hug. I'll give you your kiss. I'll like, you can snuggle up to me, but like, there's a point where you need to back off. (laughs) You need to back off right now. (laughs) And so I don't know if there's other moms struggling. Like, this is actually the first time that I voiced it out. And I like, who else feels that way? Or is it only me? Or what's going on here? (laughs) You know? Well, I, my son is very, lovey so it's like like you said always in your face and usually I don't like people I'm like okay I need my space but I think you know having my son and him being very like touchy he he likes the pressure Mm -hmm. he likes everything like sensory everything so he will if you're sitting on the couch he'll climb behind me he'll find a little spot behind you and he pushes my neck back Uh and he wants me to squeeze him Uh And he, at nighttime, his freaking toenails on my thigh, because I wear shorts, it's, like, scratching. He's, like, going under my thigh. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh, RJ, RJ, RJ. And he has this, like, vocal, I forgot, what is it? Vocal um, stem. Yeah. Where he's, like, uh, uh. And at night, when I I know I'm probably halfway sleeping yelling at him, and I feel so (laughs) bad. But it's, like. You know, I have a 10-month-old, and she's sleeping right next to us in the bed, and I'm just, like, I feel like he doesn't ever sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm, like, oh, my gosh. it's I feel so bad saying that it's annoying, but I'm, like, RJ, when are you going to stop? Like, everyone has a point. When is your point? Like, <laughs> when? Yeah. They cannot last so all I don't of think- us. Okay. Yes. So I have alone. a king size bed, so you're not the only one. and my kid will come in. So we have we bought this huge king size bed, and I was like, because we have three dogs, so we bought the king size bed so the three dogs could sleep with us. Well, my son will come in sometimes in the middle of the night. I'll be sleeping on my side of the bed, and then by the morning, I'm on the opposite side of the king size bed in the corner on the opposite side of the bed. I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, you are this big. How do you take up more space than three dogs? Because he has to be close. Like, okay. like when you were saying, Felicia, like when we were reading books, like when we read books every night, he's got to put his feet underneath my legs. And I'm just like, yes. dude, you have a blanket and it's weighted. No, he's got to stick his legs under yes, mom. And so then does he's he. got to, you know, like he's got to look at me and he'll go like this. And I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. 
it, it, your hands are clean, fine. But he's just like this, and I'm just like, oh, I love you, but I don't know, you were just, I, I don't know what you were touching, and that's kind of gross. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's like, my kid has to touch me too. And there's sometimes where I'm like, not prepared for that. Sorry, buddy, I love you to pieces, but no, not right now. And that's, that's they, they need to learn it's not appropriate sometimes. But I think that's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's like, there's times where I'm like, dude, I am literally trying to eat my food right now. And I'm like this and I can't eat. I'm like, go that way for like five seconds. I love you. But so I, I think it's normal at times. It's, it, we're all human. We don't like to be touched constantly. Yeah. It's just sometimes we just need our space and our little bubble. And <laughs> You stay over there until I'm ready. Your little, little <laughs> Your mini little bubble that they give like you. Smaller and smaller, especially for some reason when your kid comes in to sleep with you. And I, every morning I'm like, yes, he came in to sleep with me and guess who ended up on the opposite side of the bed with this much room. And our kid is four feet tall. My, yeah, my son, he's two and a half. He is a monster. He looks like he's four years old. Mm-hmm. He's chunky and he's tall and he sleeps, sleeps in the middle of me and my boyfriend. We're sleeping like, you know, like this and he sleeps in the middle and then the nighttime, cause I always stay up late. So I see him. He's like straight. And he starts going a little cricket, mm-hmm. and then he's, like, shoving his legs under me. It's not just one time. It's, like, multiple times, like, stabbing at my leg. And then under his dad, he's putting his arm. And then I fall asleep in the morning. He's, like, laying the opposite way. His freaking foot is okay. in my I face. You got kicked his in the hand face yet? and his head. <laughs> yes. His face. butt ends up in my face. I'm, like, how do you do that? You need your own bed. Yeah. You need to be by yourself. Kicked in the but face. he wants to be, like... Yes. Yes. He punched me. He when I'm asleep and he doesn't sleep, like I'll just hug him. He puts his fingers in my nose, <laughs> poke my ears, poke my eyes. I'm like, RJ, oh it is God. three o'clock in the morning. Go to bed. Oh he is Yeah. Yeah, my kid so, co sleeps with us. Like both of the kids, they called us because I have a boy and a girl. So both of them they co sleep with us. But then, like, when he turned four, I just woke up one day and I was like, I am so done. You're getting your own beds. (laughs) And we moved to a different apartment. And so they had another room. So I bought, like, twin beds. And it was, and I did it cold turkey. Like, I mean, cold turkey. Yes, it was a week of struggling and crying and tantrums. But they sleep in their beds. They don't share bed with me anymore. And it was the best decision <laughs> I made in my life. <laughs> I know I wake up in my neck. He'll start in his bed. But in the middle of the night, we're like, who's, who's he going to visit? So he'll start. Like, he's in his own bed. He's been in his own bed since 8 o'clock. So like around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh, so he's going to come visit me. Or he's going to come visit his dad. So we're just kind of like, because I... We're, we're sleep divorced with my husband because I can't sleep because he snores. He saw he saws logs in his sleep, and I have like insomnia. One little like pin drop, and I'm up, and I can't go back to sleep. So I said, "Honey, I love you, but you're in the guest room." So <laughs> what did you call it? Sleep divorced. <laughs> uh, sleep divorced. Yeah. So you know, like you hear about people oh, well, married, you have to sleep in the same room. But nowadays, <laughs> it's becoming more common where husband and wife aren't sleeping together right. for X Y Z. Mine is because I literally cannot fall asleep when he's laying next to me sawing logs because I have trouble sleeping. So I have to take like this nice cocktail of like homeopathic things to get me to even be tired. So melatonin is my friend. So I'm like, Nope, you're sleeping in the guest room. So we're kind of like, well, who's Ryland going to come visit tonight? You or me. And 
you know, if he comes and visits me, forget it. I can't sleep for the rest of the night. But, you know, he'll start in his room. Fine. But then usually in the middle of the night, he comes in and I'm like, whatever, I'm so tired trying to put you back in your room. Forget it, which is bad because then he's going to think you can do that. But I'm just like, whatever, I'm tired. Just get in the bed and we'll see how this goes. (laughs) We have the opposite problem. I don't think we mentioned what age our kids are whenever we first started the podcast. I don't think we mentioned some of our names either. Nope. Like, I don't remember saying my name. (laughs) So my name is Felisa. And uh, my son, RJ, he's two and a half. And he just turned two and a half on the third. And I think he got diagnosed, um, I want to say, like, the first or second week in June. So it's, like, super new. So I'm still working on, you know, like, I think I already accepted it. It's not, like, a horrible thing. I didn't think it was a horrible thing to begin with. I just... You know, before I even got diagnosed, I think I gave myself a lot of anxiety because I was like, I don't want him to struggle in life. And, you know, his dad told me, you know, even if he has it, we're not going to love him any less, which is true. I'm not going to, I didn't, I don't love him any less. It's just, I think more fears come up. Like, is he ever going to learn to talk? Is he ever going to learn to do this? Is he going to learn to do that? Is he... You know, is he going to find somebody that he wants to be with when he gets older, which is way, way, way over there, you know, (laughs) down the road. But, you know, it's scary because am I going to have to take care of him for the rest of his life? Is he going to, you know, be able to talk or is he going to, you know, we're going to have to learn how to communicate differently. Because he did have to get the tubes in his ears because he had fluid in his ears. So he wasn't really saying like much of anything. But now he you know, he got the tubes and he hears other people talk. He can hear like 100% now. So he makes a lot of sounds and he is trying to say little words, but it's just like, is he ever going to learn? You know, am I ever going to have a conversation with him? It's just different. It's different things, but it's, you know, now that he is diagnosed, I do find other things that he, instead of toys, because I buy him, like I used to buy him all the toys in the world. Cause I'm like, maybe he doesn't like this toy because of this. And I would try different things, but now I know it's, he likes sensory things. So I, you know, I go on Pinterest and I'm like, okay, what's, what should I do today? Is he going to like this? You know, it's just trial and error. And I think I don't really voice it a lot, but it, it, it does get very lonely. Like you guys mentioned, because you don't, you don't like sit there and like, oh my gosh, today, you know, it was really hard. Or today I felt really alone. Today I felt really sad that he couldn't do, you know, this and this and this, but it's, I already have a problem with like communicating and stuff. So I just like, I think I just put myself in like a hole of stress and anxiety and I'm trying to, you know, slowly take myself out of that. Well, I'm trying to protect your kid. It's definitely a lot. You know, you don't, you're protecting kid. It's like, if I go out, something's going to happen to my kid and I don't want him to experience that. So we're just going to stay home and do nothing. Cause then at least I know what's going to trigger him. And I I won't do that at home. It's It's your fear of going out and having to protect your kid because somebody else doesn't understand how they work. So I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. That gives me a lot of anxiety. And like I said, my, his dad, he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't think that he doesn't have it. It's just, I don't think he knows like, like little things that he does. I'm like, Oh, you know, I was reading this and this and this. And he listens. It's just, I don't think he knows, you know, the extent of what it is going to be like, you know, in the future. I mean, he's going to learn to do everything. It's just going to take a lot, a lot of different ways you know, to try to get him to learn those things. 
So. Well, and I'm the reason my kid goes out. It's definitely. I'm just like, whatever. It's going to be what it's going to be. Like, I try to experience, have him experience everything, but I'm the one who takes him out. When he goes places, it's with mom. Dad doesn't like to take him out because of that. And so I'm like, well, you know what? I, he has to experience what an aquarium looks like. He has to experience like Uptown Jungle with Hilda and I were, I was like, hey, yeah. we go there all the time. But I mean, his dad will take him there because I think he likes to play around with him. But like aquarium, I take him. Zoo, I take him. All these other places with lots of people, I take him because my husband would rather, he's more comfortable sitting at home. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to toughen up and I'm going to take him out. and We're going to do what we need to do. But that's the only way he's going to learn. So I'm just kind of like, whatever. He's going to throw a tantrum somewhere. It is what it is. Forget it. I'm starting to get to yeah. that. I don't give a crap attitude anymore. Like, fine. Say what you want to say, but you don't know my kid like I do. So go on your merry way. I'm finally starting to get to that. I don't give a shit anymore, but it's it's still there. I care what people think, but yeah, he won't go out unless I take him out. Did you want to introduce yourself, Laura? Oh, yeah. Um, I am Laura. My son is Rylan. <laughs> Uh, he is a very rambunctious and hyper three-year-old. He will be four in September. He was diagnosed right before his third birthday. So we've been dealing with this for almost a year. And within that year, I have learned so much more about autism that I didn't know because it runs in my family and I've experienced um, episodes with my cousins. You turn the lights off and they freak out because it's not the way they wanted it. Um, and the one thing I put in my notes to talk about was I knew there was autism when he was fixated on certain things. He is obsessed with cars. And if you put him in a toy store, there are so many toys around him and he wants that stinking car. He will go into mm -hmm. every toy store and find the toy cars, blue car, red car. And every day it's a different color car. I picked out all the red cars. You get all the blue cars. <gasps> That's a garbage truck. Every time we're driving in the car, mommy, I want to find a fire truck, a police car, and an ambulance. And if we don't find them, he's like, oh, what happened? And now it's like, oh, that car got in crash. That car got in crash. But it is, I knew something was up when it was his fixations on things. He liked flipping the light switches on and off. He sees cars and forget it. Like anywhere, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be in the middle of Disney World. If he sees a toy car, you lose him. And it, he was diagnosed with level two because of that obsession he has with one object. And so that's, I, I also knew that there were issues because when he plays, he lines everything up in a specific way. You can take it out and he won't like go crazy, but he'll have to put it back. But like when he's playing, he says, I'm parking my cars. And so all around our house, you'll see the cars lined up in these nice rows. <laughs> and they're one row, two rows, or like when he's playing with his magnets, he's making a parking garage for his cars. So it's hard when you want him to get new toys. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this toy for him. Don't even bother. Mm -hmm. Just buy him another car. So we went to the aquarium yesterday. And out of all of the cool things at the aquarium, he wanted this plastic truck, this EMT truck. And I was like, seriously, Ryan? You have all these other things you could choose from. We went to Williams. I have all these things you can choose from. I want this car. I want this car. I'm like, dude, to go with your 500 others you have, but that's his fixation. So my son is a fan of cars. If you buy him a car, he's your best friend for life. Like it's <laughs> his cars. So yeah, that's Rylan. I love him to death. And he is the cutest thing in the world. 
but he needs to find another obsession because <laughs> I'm tired of stepping on those cars. <laughs> I'm tripping. I know I step on my son's cars too. And then Gina, did you introduce yourself? No. I don't think you did. So did you? Did I? I did. I don't think you did. No. Okay. So my name is Dina. I have two kids. One is going to be six in November, Sully. And I have a another kid, Bella. She's going to be um, four in September. So they're, they both have autism, but they're both very different. So Sully was nonverbal. Um, he got diagnosed when he was around three. And just like Laura, he has um, obsessive compulsive behavior, which is OCD where he likes, he's fixated with one thing. He wants one certain thing in a certain way. And also he used to have a lot of behaviors like tantrums about like 40 minutes, three, four times a day, banging his head on the wall, biting, throwing things, hitting. Um, and so I got him diagnosed um, here when we moved. Um, and then he, I put him in ABA therapy, speech therapy and OT. And through those ter therapies his behaviors changed like 360 degrees he became a complete different kid he recently just started to talk um creating like sentences and words and actually talking um bella on the other hand she um was diagnosed when she was around two um she is different she's very verbal so she's she talks so she talks she expresses and it was very hard to diagnose her because it was a gut feeling with her. It wasn't like Sully where you would look at him and like see these things happening. With her, it was more of a, there's something off about her, but you can't pinpoint where it is. Like she would talk, she would repeat things, but she would repeat things in a certain way or in a, like, as though she has it rehearsed. But at the same time, it's like she's talking to you. So you're like in between like, is she talking to me or is she repeating a script? Like you, There's something off about her, but you can't pinpoint that. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just take her in. I got nothing to lose. I really didn't think she had autism, to be honest with you. Like she was talking. She didn't have any behavior. She wasn't biting, screaming. She was this mellow kid. Um, and so I took her and it turned out that she does. She has, doesn't make eye contact. Um, it's more of an emotional side. She's still on level two, like my son. So my son was on a level two and in some areas, level three, where Bella, she's on a level two and a little areas, level three and some areas, level one. And so um, they diagnosed her and they told me that in girls, it's very, very hard to pick up because girls are very good at masking it. And they're very good at um, scripting, meaning they would scan you and they would memorize everything you do, all the moves, everything you say, and they would say it just like you. Like they would, they would talk just like you, act just like you when they might have autism and you can't really pick it up. And so... We have no problem with her. We had no problem actually with her the first like year. She turned three last year. She went on a trip with her dad. Um, and then she came back. And then she went to school to a new daycare. And then these behaviors started to like appear. 
Like she's starting to have tantrums. You tell her no, she flips out. Like it's chaos. You cannot tell her no. You can't yell at her. You can't pull her. You can't do anything because it just escalates. It just hits the roof and she screams. Like she doesn't cry. She screams like bloody murder screams. And then she gets really, really, really angry and she just continues to scream. And so we're working on a plan with her to doing a different approach than my son because the approaches that we've done with my son didn't work for her. And so we're creating like a, a like an individualized plan just for her to work with. Um, other than that, that's just, that's me. I'm just trying to juggle between both of them and nursing school and, and it's, it's just been a struggle. Yeah. And then Teresa, I feel, I know you mentioned a little bit about your son, but did you want to introduce yourself and how old your son is? Uh, my name is Teresa and our son is 10. He will be 11 in November and he was diagnosed uh, right before he was two and a half. He was fairly young um, just because he had so many other things going on. So it wasn't like we went seeking a diagnosis. It was just one of the things that kind of naturally happened um, because we were dealing with so many other things medically for him. So um, I, I don't know. I wasn't surprised at all just because he had so many other issues, but he was diagnosed pretty young. I want to say like really probably closer to two. Cause I think by the time he was two and a half, he was using his Ogcom device to communicate with us. So I wasn't sure if I, I introduced myself, but my name is Matilda and my son is miles and he's three years old. He got diagnosed. Um, I want to say the beginning of I want to say the summer of last year, and he is uh, level three autism, which I feel like he he was diagnosed really really early because they were like they were there are certain things where he was like, does he build like does he can he stack blocks? And then the, she would call him and say, Miles, Miles, and then if he didn't look that way, she'd be like, okay, that, that's like one thing that. If he doesn't do this, then that's technically like, okay, he might have autism. And it's just like building blocks. Um, how does he socialize with her and us? Well, because we were in the room and it was um, it was like a three-hour appointment where she would just sit down and talk with him and bring him stuff and see if he was able to play with her. But he wasn't doing any of that. Like he was more coming to us and then he wouldn't do certain things. And then after that, she was like, okay, like just because he's lacking those social skills, he's lacking those play skills. Uh, we diagnosed him with level three, which I was like, okay, which got me thinking was like, okay, does that mean that as he grows older and he can do those things, does that mean he goes down to level two? Like, I just didn't know, like, does he eventually get down to where it's like, he's still on the spectrum, but is not as level three, but he's still not making like any words. He just says sounds all day. And like, it used to be like, oh my gosh, he was like, he was mute, where he was just like, he would just walk around and we wouldn't know where he's at in the house. We would just have to go find him. But now he's like making sounds. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, like, this is kind of annoying. Like, he's just saying the same thing all day. Like, ah, ah. Like, but it's like, now it's like, okay, I want him to keep doing that because that is like precursors to words. And whenever he says that, we like do like a big excited thing, like, ah, like, oh my gosh, like he's saying, ah, like we do it back with him to see if that like gets him excited. 
but I'm hoping he catches on to more letters and sounds so we can, like, we're doing E, like, because how, um, I think Felicia was saying, he likes those pressure, he likes squeezes. Like, we, like, squeeze mm -hmm. his arms and his yes. legs. So we say squeeze, and then we just kept saying squeeze, and then we wait for him. And then I've, we've only heard about one or two times where he says E, like, where he's trying to say squeeze. But I was just like, yeah. that's, like, one word we're trying to work on, but hopefully eventually he'll be able to say at least e or like because right now he's not saying like anything or he's not bringing us anything he doesn't point like we actually had to like um we went through early intervention and we were teaching him how to point we were teaching him how to um they, they call it pecs like the picture exchange communication system mm -hmm. where um we would show him foods or what he wants to drink and he didn't really catch on to that. And then we tried sign language for a little bit. And he he would watch you do it. He would watch your hands, but he won't do it himself. He'll just, he'll like, I, like I do it now. If I say more, you want more. And he was like, he just looks at you. And then he'll like bring his hands like he wants like a hand over hand because that's what we always do to teach him. We just do hand over hand. So we just keep doing it over and over. But it just doesn't seem like it's clicking with him that, okay, we could do pictures. That To me, that's not that wasn't clicking like sign language isn't clicking. So we, uh, his speech therapist just recommended, like, let's just, just start off, like, forget about the sign language, forget about the pictures. Let's just see if we can just do simple sounds, like E for squeeze. And then eventually he'll maybe pick up. But then uh, as Teresa was saying, uh, the, for the communication devices, she said, because we just started with the new speech therapist, and so she hasn't, like, gotten to know Miles that good. But as she said, as we go through more sessions, we'll see if he is a candidate for the communication device. Because it's like really hard. Because if he's crying, it's like, what, like, what does he want? Is he thirsty? Is he hungry? It's just like, what does he want? And it's like for us to figure out. Because like I'm with him all day, so it's like I kind of know what he wants. But if he goes to daycare, it's like they're not gonna know what he wants. Like, why is he crying? And I don't want him to be like, okay, well, I can't speak, and I like I don't know how to get what I want out, but. And that's kind of sad to me where it's like he like he, it feels like he does know what he wants, but it's like he doesn't know how to express it or like he just yeah. gets frustrated. And, and so many times, you know, there could be some cognitive um, delays as well that make it even a little harder for him to learn that process with mm -hmm. the PEC system that you guys were using. Um, do you guys make him grab it or do you lay out like say for food and you have like, maybe he likes grapes or bananas. Do you take mm -hmm. those pictures and just have him point or okay, are you so asking did, him to grab um, it? We did a little bit of both. So we actually taught him how to point. So well, he's still like, he like does what the, what the hand over hand where he wants us to hold like the rest of the arm to hold it and point. So we did that, but we, I only do it for um, his stuff that he wants to watch. So he has three choices. It's called, um, it's the Cars movie, the B movie, and then there's a show on YouTube called Alpha Blocks that he watches. And so I have three pictures of those right now, and I lay those out and I ask Miles, Miles, what do you want to watch? And so he, uh, I'll, I'll put him on the ground or wherever on the table, and he'll go over and pick one, and then he'll bring it to me. But okay. at first, because we started trying to do pointing, but he doesn't want to point or he just is, isn't getting it, because... Like, even if he wants, like, a drink on, like, the counter where he can't reach it, he'll try and try and try to reach it, like, however he can. Like, he'll try to climb it, but he will never come and get us or, like, try to grab us attention or, like, try to point to it, but he just won't do it. Like, he'll just, he's, like, 
he's a little, I would say, like, he's, like, more independent than he needs to be because it's, like, he just wants to do everything himself. And it's, like, he doesn't ask for us for anything, like, a diaper change, no, not asking for that. Like, if I, like, he could be, like, starving or, like, wanting a drink for all day and he just won't come to us and tell us. Mm, so sad. I, I think that the Ocom device would be a great solution, especially if he can point. Because with the Ocom device, all they have to do is touch it. And it speaks yeah. for them. So when they learn that, they learn that really quickly. Oh, I don't have to say it. I don't really have to work. All I have to do is touch it. Um, so if he's learning that with the PEC system and he's able to like at least just point or I mean, because if he's picking up and bringing it to you, that's more than he'd have to do if he had the Ocom device. Because on the right. Ocom device, all he has to do is touch it, and it says the word immediate. It's like an immediate response. And that's a reward for a child who can't communicate. So, um, and it makes it, you know, it's the work is done for them. So I, I'm a... I'm a huge proponent of the Ocom device. It's been a lifesaver for us. Um, and I, I think they, was asking, they're smart uh, and they can learn yeah. that really quickly. I was asking a speech therapist. I was like, well, if he does get the device, does it hinder his speech? Like, oh, he'll prefer to do that over trying to talk. But she says there's like studies and research done that no, it doesn't like, it doesn't hinder them wanting to talk. It's just, it's just yeah, how you said it helps them to get what they want out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I can't imagine I've tried many times to try to imagine what it would be like if I was trying to say something with no voice, you know, like if I was yeah. looking at my husband and I, and I couldn't say it, I always try to visualize what that would feel like. I mean, obviously I cannot, but I, I can imagine how hard it would be and how frustrating it would be. And I can see it as he gets older when he can't tell us something because he does have a whole language of his own. We don't understand any of it, mm -hmm. but when he does try to say certain words, um, we know he's trying to say something to us. We always tell him, go get, go get your talker. And he even gets frustrated with us sometimes. Like he feels like we should understand what he's saying. Um, and so he'll hit his talker really hard because he's letting us know, like, I'm mad that I have to do this because he wants us to understand him. But I really do feel like it, um, it is such a good tool for these kids to have. And, and you, we, we've even made it so simple because, um, I have a, a little bit different view. I don't know if it's my age. I don't know if it's just, I don't, I don't really have an answer for it, but I just want to make his life as easy as possible. I'm not here to make it harder. I'm not here to push him to be something that he may never be because I deem that he, you know, I, I'm not into that. I let him just be where he is and I accept that. And it just, I, I just, I, I don't have any expectations. Um, so whatever he gives me is what he gives me. So we even went as far, and I know our speech therapist, um, we actually had a pretty good falling out over it um, because she wanted us to um, set up, you know, five or six words. So like if he, and, and, and if you have a device, you'll understand how difficult it can be. There could be several layers. So you can, it'll be like, I want 
to eat bananas. And so there's like, you know, that's like five, six words. And, and it's on different levels in the machine. It's not on one page. So I might lead you to another screen. And then want is another screen. And so it's it's layers okay. deep. It's and it can be very complicated. Now, when they're when they're first starting off, it's it's pretty simple, but he's he's past that. But so he he gets frustrated with it. And sometimes when you're communicating with other kids, let's just say we're teaching him to communicate with another child. And he's like, I want to eat. And then he messes up because he put, I want to, and he didn't put eat in. He put drink and he meant to put eat. He has to start all the way over. So he has to hit the X button and he has to go, I want to, and he starts over and he gets frustrated. And then the kid that's listening doesn't want to wait for it either. So we put, um, I, I wanted to make it as easy as possible and as quick as possible. So we did things like, um, I need a diaper change and I did it all on one button. So all he has to do is hit the button and it says, I need a diaper change. Um, we did some that are, they're like, I'm good. How are you? So all he has to do is hit that button because someone will be like people who don't know he can't talk. They'll come up to him and be like, how are you? And he could be, I'm good. How are you? Instead of I'm good. How are you? Right. It's a long process. And our speech therapist really fought us because she was like, you're not teaching him how to build a sentence structure. Well, he's 10. We may never, ever get there. And I'm not going to make his life harder. I want to make it easier. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. You don't have to agree with it, but I want you to program this machine to do what I want it to do. She didn't like it. She did it. (laughs) It has made his life so much easier because there's so many things that need to happen quickly. Thank you for listening. Follow us and rate us. It helps others find us easier. And don't forget, it's okay to bring up autism.